Bob Good, who's a part of the Freedom Caucus. This guy displays and shows the evil within the part within a sect of the Republican Party, politicians within the Republican Party. Because what he's showing is he doesn't care. He doesn't care about lying. He doesn't care. I tell you what, I want you to listen to this first, and then we Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly focus pops or lolly mellow pops for kids. And for parents, try three new brainy chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We'll take it on the other side. We will take it on your side. So check this out, and we'll take it on the other side. A member of the House Freedom Caucus, Bob Good. You got a poker face on, sir. You tell me, are you going to vote for a bipartisan deal? Well, the House has done its job. We spent 90 days, as you know, negotiating a debt ceiling increase. The president and the Senate were MIA on the sidelines, nowhere to be found. So most Republicans have never voted for a debt ceiling increase. No Republicans wanted to increase the debt limit. What we'd like to do is to cut spending so much that we would never have to increase the debt ceiling again with a you know, record amount of debt to GDP we haven't had since World War II. $2 trillion in national debt. However, Republicans were responsible and reasonable. And as you know, we have come together with a with a, a deal to raise the debt limit by a modest, by D.C. standards, $1.5 trillion in exchange for real cuts and real reforms that put us on a path to fiscal stability as a country. It's critically important. Every component of the Limit Save Grow bill, we expect Speaker McCarthy and Republicans to be united, remain united. And this is the bill that the Senate needs to pass. As you know, 45 senators have signed on being in support of our bill. That means the Senate can't pass anything else without those 45 senators. So the, my hope would be that the Senate, Chuck Schumer, and the president uh, will not allow the nation to suffer any consequence from not raising the debt limit by passing the Limit Save Grow bill. A lot of Republicans have uh, voted to raise the debt ceiling in the past. Maybe not Freedom Caucus members, but a lot of Republicans have, including under Republican presidents. Uh, your colleague, Matt Gates said that the uh, deadline, this June 1st deadline, that a default isn't real, that it's made up. How do you feel about that? What he's speaking to is there no there is no X day, June one or whatever. Now we're hearing, of course, that it might be as late as July one. But there's no X date where there's going to be some dramatic catastrophe because the debt ceiling wasn't raised. If President Biden, and Chuck Schumer don't agree to raise the debt limit for the Republican bill that's been passed, which, again, is a responsible bill with reasonable cuts and reforms, then you would begin to have the inability for us to fund all of the government spending that's been voted on uh, by the Democrat majority and by this White House, passed by this White House over the last couple of years, you would have uh, eventually a forced $100 billion in reduction in spending because we're, we're bringing in a record $400 billion on a monthly basis. Uh, we are spending about $500 billion. We could not continue to do that, but there's more than enough revenue to pay the interest on the debt, which is only about $70 billion a month. There's more than enough to fund Social Security, Medicare, veterans benefits, and the national defense. Democrats are not going to allow to have a forced reduction in spending or funding this government. So if we hold the line, they will pass limit save grow. And that's what we need to do. Um, so you're saying just just hold the line. I, I hear you there. Let me ask you about uh, tax taxes and raising taxes. I, I know you weren't in Congress for the, the Trump tax cuts and, and that bill. But according to the CBO, that added one point eight trillion dollars over 11 years. That is a big addition to the national uh, debt. Why would you not put taxes back on the table for the very, very rich among us? 
and corporations. Why would that not be a part of these discussions if you're talking well, about fact, trying to lower the deficit? The fact of the matter is we don't have a revenue problem. And because the Trump tax well, cuts and job back, which I was not here, which I was not here before, as, much as, as you said, out. I didn't vote for that, but I would have voted for it. And that's why we have a record $400 billion in revenue coming in. Do you know if we just went back to pre-vote COVID spending across the board, which was about $4.5 trillion for all mandatory and discretionary spending pre-COVID 2019, the $5 trillion a year we're realizing. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder rising in revenue right now would mean a half a trillion dollar surplus at pre-COVID spending with current revenue levels because of the Trump tax cuts. We don't have a spending, excuse me, a revenue problem. We've got a massive spending problem. And by the way, 80% of Americans in the polls overwhelmingly say they either don't want the debt ceiling raised, that's about 20%, or 60% say, so combined 80% together, 60% say they only want it raised with cuts and reforms in place to put us on a path to fiscal responsibility. Well, let me ask you the Biden-Schumer position is only supported by on, 20% ask, of Americans. Let me ask a question in here. I know you said that you would have voted for the Trump tax cuts, would you vote to extend the Trump tax cuts? Oh, CBO, absolutely. Because CBO again, says that, would that is incentivizing, trillion. that's incentivizing the right things. The CBO says, uh, that, excuse that is me, key to that, our, would that is key. 3.5 you know, trillion to the deficit. We cannot so me, sustain the one to 2% anemic Biden growth. We got to get back to three to 4%, the Trump growth patterns that was fueling our economy previously. So it's growth as well as cuts that'll get us on a path to fiscal stability. Let me ask you a question about the deficit though. If you are going to vote to extend those tax cuts, that's a 3.5 trillion add to the deficit per the CBO. That is a big addition. If you want to cut spending and you want to get us on a path to a balanced budget, I mean, it seems like that would be in conflict with your goal. That's historically just inaccurate. Every time we cut taxes, we generate no, more growth. We generate more revenue. The Democrats predicted back in 2017 that when we had those tax cuts, we would have a reduction in revenue and therefore increase the deficit. And the Democrats lie and say that the deficit and the national debt has grown because of the tax cuts. That's simply it's not, not true. Democrats, when revenue as a bottom line number, when you grow the pie, you only have to take a smaller percentage of it to fund your government. <laughs> We've grown the pie, and that's why they've got record revenue coming in. We've never been $5 trillion a year in revenue until the last couple of years, and that is in large part because of the Trump economic policies, including the tax cuts. It's not the Democrats. It's the CBO that says this. I'm not naming any Democrats. I'm giving you the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office. Now, it's important that we call these crooks out immediately. Notice what he said. Oh, you... you, you, you uh, cut taxes, and the economy gets better, and it pays for itself. This has been refuted, but they keep saying it over and over again, and people believe it. Let's listen to the facts from a committee that I think it's uh, Von Holland had in Congress. Check this out. We'll take it on the other side. The Trump tax cuts did not pay for themselves. In other words, they didn't raise more revenue over time uh, than, they, than they gave up. If we could just start with you, Mr. Koch. Uh, yes, Senator, you are correct. Uh, federal revenues are lower than they would have been if not for the Trump tax cuts. Uh, the Trump tax cuts did not pay for themselves. I provide documentation in my statement. Uh, I agree they did not pay for themselves and they did not trickle down to um, employee earnings. 
I prefer to think of the tax cuts as a one-time cost. I don't think they're an ongoing uh, contributor to the deficit. Well, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at something, uh, Mr. Michelle, that when you were put together when you were at the Heritage Foundation, and you've got you've got twelve myths, and one of the myths, and I'm quoting, is that the tax cut pays for itself. The Trump tax cut. Are you changing your mind today about that conclusion? Uh, no, I'm not. So just to be clear, the Trump tax cut did not pay for itself, correct? <laughs> not within the 10-year budget window, no. No, I, well, let's look at the next budget window. I'm looking at your report here, too. It doesn't pay for itself in the next 20, in next 10, does it? Uh, the, the, the cost was largely a one-time cost. Uh, the economy was projected to grow. I'm just, I'm just looking at, I'm looking at your 20. own report here, uh-huh. right? It didn't I'm, pay I'm, for itself in the second. I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Um, and Mr., um, Mr. Hodge, did the Trump tax cuts pay for themselves? The Tax Foundation modeled every iteration of what became the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act from the beginning to the end. And at no no time did our model ever predict that it would pay for itself. And our model is perhaps the most sophisticated model in Washington, and it does not estimate that virtually any tax cut will pay for itself. And that's a kind of a myth. Republicans are probably the best liars by bar none. But the reason why it works is because very few times do we have uh, the mainstream media that refutes what they're saying. I just want to give a graph for everybody to see at first, and then I'm going to expand on this for tomorrow's show. But I just want to give you a graph, and I'm going to put that graph on the screen right now. Then I'll display the other thing that that she wants, that, that Bridge MCP wants to put out there. But I want you to look at that curve. If you take a look, there are two kinds of spending. There's non-defense spending and defense spending. The non-defense spending, and you know, some like to call it the non-discretionary. Well, non-discretionary spending are all the spending that we have to do that isn't mandated. Social Security is, is spending we have to make, et cetera, et cetera. But if you take a look at what has happened over since 1980, since Reagan, you notice on this curve that every time Republicans are in office, the presidency and, and you know, one of the houses are both. Look at what happened to defense. Look at what happens to discretionary spending. Then when we get a Democrat in there, look how those lines flat line. I hope you can see my arrows, but if you take a look at from 1990, we're, we're, we're uh, president, the 90s where Clinton was in power, watch how those lines flatten. In other words, we, get, uh, we, we are forced to constrain spending because, again, we have issues with the Republicans passing budgets, etc. You go back to when Bush is in control, you see that how the spending jumps right back up again, and then we go to 2009 when Obama is back in control and you see how spending both defense and, and non-defense gets plateaued, then you get into uh, uh, Trump and you see what happens. Defense catapults up as well as non-defense catapults up. Why? They spend money. When Democrats are in office, that is when they talk about curtailing spending money. This was provided by Axios. And it shows who are the people that, not, that really blows up the budget. 
It's not Democrats that blow up the budget. It's Republicans who blow up the budget because if you listen to what that other guy mentioned as well, he talked about uh, uh, the, the kind of spending. He said tax cuts. Again, she says, the CBO says that the tax cuts that you guys have given to the wealthy will blow up the budget by $3.5 trillion. He says, oh, no, no, the Democrats are lying. That's not true. It will blow up the budget because that's money not there. And what they like to use as an excuse is that, but that cutting taxes magically, here's what they say, cutting taxes magically brings in more revenue and they show you that more revenue is brought in as if the taxes had anything to do with that increased revenue. That increased revenue comes from an eternally growing pie not influenced by these tax cuts. In fact, Keynesian economics will tell you, and I don't want to jump into this too deep, but Keynesian economics will tell you, if you put money in the hands of those who would spend it quicker, they will incentivize corporations to build more factories and do things. Let's go ahead and, 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 and get it in, in English terms. If I go ahead, supply-side economics says this, you go ahead and give the rich people the money, they will decide what kind of supply to provide. They would decide if they're going to build factories for cars. They will decide if they're going to build factories for solar power plants. However, now, if instead you give that money to the people who would spend it immediately, democracy would dictate what factories businesses would build. Why? Because if I have a lot of money, if, I am a, if I'm a poor person and I get money, that money is that democratizer that will tell me, if I go ahead and I buy more chicken, we, then corporations need to raise more chickens. If I decide I want to buy more cars, corporations see that the demand for cars go up and that democracy in, in our economy will create more cars. If somebody else wants to buy more widgets of some type, if we decide we want to buy more hula hoops, then democracy would say corporations will build more hula hoops because that's what we are willing to take our money and spend. But instead, what the Republicans who claim they believe in freedom want to do is say, give the money to the wealthy and let the wealthy decide what supply they will provide to you, peons. You poor people, you middle class people, we will tell you what you want to buy because we believe in the supply side economics. We don't believe in the demand side, the democracy side of economics. So don't let the crap that Republicans tell you when they talk about when you go ahead, there's this, there's this curve called the Laffer curve. And the Laffer curve is a laughter. How did the Laffer curve come about? This economist, I don't remember from what university, sat down at a table when he was having dinner and drew a curve on a piece of paper. And he said, this is where you have taxes going up. This is where you have its taxes versus uh, the amount of money that, uh, that, that's generate, extra money generated in the economy. And there's a, there's a sweet spot, according to this guy, that if you just put the taxes at that area, it'll start raising more money. It has never occurred. Reagan tried it. It failed. The only reason Reagan had a, an economy that did marginally well was because 
He used Keynesian economics. He blew up the budget by building a lot of, uh, uh, throwing a lot of money to the military. He did not cut uh, social services because Republicans know if you cut social services, you lose. So they cut taxes for the wealthy, keep the spending that Democrats know social people, that, that, that for the social services. And then what do they do? They then uh, increase the military. They blow the budget up, which is an economic, blowing the budget up does create a lot of economic activity. All right. And the thing about it is we, we have so dummified the American citizenry that we have a certain percentage that cannot understand simple macroeconomics that tells you two things. The democratization of economics means you pr provide the, the monies to the demand side. And if you do that, the supply side will create that supply based on what people want. If you put the money at the wealthy side, first of all, they don't take risks. Remember, all the risk is taken by we the people. Think about it. When a drug comes to market, it's not the, it's not the wealthy corporations that says, I am going to invest in this drug that's going to make a lot of money. That is not what occurs. They go to a university. The universities come out with the primers of drugs, the, the RNAs and, and all these other parts. And after corporations sees that, oh, this might actually work. Oh, let's go ahead and buy up that professor. Let's go ahead and buy the patents and build a building at the university. And after we create a product, we get the mRNA vaccines and all these things that then they milk us and terrorize us and cost us everything. You take a look at insulin, which was developed by the government, and somehow we have people paying $1,000 a month for it. It makes no sense. But as long as we have gullible Americans, as long as we have Americans who are willing who are willing to be gullible because of ideology, then we get into these positions. Let's get smart, folks. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.